0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am decidedly not Kyle Madsen. This is Chris Biederman. Kyle is uh is unavailable for for the week so i'm filling in uh hosting duties we have nick wagner you might have heard of uh you might have heard of him mentioned on the show once or twice he'll be joining me shortly but real quick before we get to nick uh we are brought to you by lamb chops our friends over at lamb chops sg lamb is a website use promo code candlestick20 for a nice little discount. Um, if you know, you know zippered pockets. I'm wearing the hoodie right now. Phenomenal clothing. Um, and yeah, shouts to our friends at Lamb Chops. They've re- recently partnered with the Minnesota Timberwolves to create an exclusive line collaboration with them. Very, very cool stuff. So SGLambchops.com promo code candlestick20. Be sure to check them out. We are brought, also sponsored by Cooper's Brewing Company in Santa Rosa. Again, if you know, you know uh the the brewery is uh it's in santa rosa the beer is phenomenal you can order directly from their website and have it shipped directly to your door uh cooperagebrewing.com if you're of age 21 and up and in the state of california they will ship any of their delectable beers to your front door so be sure to check them out cooperagebrewing.com all right nick wagner's here
2: let's get to nick hey this is george kittle and you're listening to candlestick chronicles
3: Has got him at second back inside the 30 yard line. Nick Bosa drops. Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers.
1: So there have been a few times where I've been out of commission, um, uh, whether it's a work trip or on a vacation trip, and then uh, I have the pleasure of listening to. To Nick and Kyle, um, I don't want to say berate. That's probably too strong of a word, but uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not really able to defend my honor when when they're here, um, you know, talking smack while I'm gone somewhere else. So, uh, so Nick, what can we say about Kyle to to get this thing going?
2: Well, I mean, the, the obvious thing, first of all, is that I mean, what a time to go on vacation. Must be nice. I'm just going (laughs) to pop over to Hawaii uh, the week of the NFC Championship. It's not like the Niners were 2-4. 15 last year. And this is a Cinderella story. Like we kind of knew that this was a real good possibility that they, that they were going to make a deep run into the postseason here. So um, yeah, I mean, the beauty of this is, is you say we berate or make fun of you while you're gone, but we also do it to (laughs) your face. And I think that's, I think it's, I think it's important to be consistent. And so anything we say about Kyle here, just rest assured will also be said to his face.
1: All right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Well, Nick, welcome. Welcome back. Uh, Very much appreciate you being here um nick obviously reports for espn covers the 49ers does a bang up job and uh nick you got something coming out we're recording this tuesday night so it'll be out wednesday by the time a lot of people listen to this uh you got a, a feature coming out i believe it's on debo samuel and, and trent williams do you want to do you want to talk about that
2: because it sounds wow. like a pretty fun story we're doing the plug right off the top this, this is big time I, the, yeah <laughs> I, must be, I mean I must your good graces usually it's a slow point
1: end. It's a slow yeah. point in the season so I figured we we just get started with the with the No I'm mean, I'm
2: excited I'm excited for everybody to read it uh I was I was Debo and and Trent were fortunate or uh, were uh generous enough with their time uh to sit down with me for about a half hour last month uh, a few weeks ago and uh the basically the story is about the friendship that Trent Williams and Debo Samuel have built and how that serves as um, sort of a tone setter for what the 49ers want to be as a team. Um, And, you know, the obvious compare, the obvious like analogy there is, is, you know, they are the first two out of the locker room with the bump box and all that kind of stuff. It's like the new age version of the first guys off of the bus. Right. And so uh, it was, it was cool to hear them talk and, and, you know, without spoiling the whole story, my favorite, kind of anecdote or takeaway from the story is I asked each of them what's the one biggest thing that you've learned from the other guy and you know it's it's kind of an interesting friendship just because of the age difference right like Debo Samuel was going into high school when Trent Williams was drafted into the NFL and so you would think like okay this is a mentor mentee relationship and there there's definitely truth in that like Trent Williams is kind of like the big brother to Debo but I when I asked Trent that question he gave a really Interesting, honest answer, and it was he was said he said you know I've learned to be more self confident because of Debo, and I said Trent, you're an eleven time Pro Bowler and five All Pros, like what are you talking about, man? Like how are you? What do you mean self confident? He said he said no. He said you know everyone talks about Debo being unafraid to speak his mind and talk his trash and all that stuff, and then when he does it and goes out and backs it up, like it really inspires me to, in a way, just let go and just be who I want to be. And and you've seen that this year where, like, the Eagles game, you know, they're wearing the all-black, and Trent says afterwards it was for a funeral and all stuff that you just hadn't seen from And so it's it's just really fascinating to me to see a guy who's as established as Trent, who is going to someday be in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, saying, no, like, Debo inspires me with his just, like, Standing ten toes down on everything he says, and then backing it up every opportunity he gets, and so uh, I get into that in the story. There's a lot of stuff in there, but um, I th- that was kind of my favorite favorite takeaway. I, I hope people I hope people get a kick out of it.
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, that sounds great. I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. I actually just wanted to mention the story as a segue to to talk about Debo Samuel and, and the shoulder injury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, but but like like that. That all being said, you know there there absolutely is an intangible element as well as the obvious tangible element to Debo Samuel playing or not playing for the 49ers given how unique he is, given you know what he gives the team, particularly in the playoffs. He's he's made so many big plays. Um, given that, you know, you know, Debo Samuel about as well as anybody in in the media, uh, I would think knows him and, and the value he brings to the team, both tangibly and intangibly. I mean, where are you at in terms of uh what, what the forty ers are facing now with his his status uncertain with the shoulder injury. Again, we're recording this Tuesday night, so maybe we'll know a little bit more on Wednesday. I'd imagine it's gonna be a game time decision. So we're not gonna have anything definitive all week. But just what what's your feel and and on Debo Samuels impact and and overall how it's impacting the 49ers week of prep?
2: Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because, you know, Debo, the the concern was, is that he had the same injury this time that he did in Cleveland. And uh, from what I've been told, I talked to Stefania Bell, who's our injury expert, knows way more about this stuff than I do. I, just tonight, actually, I talked to her about that injury and I said, like, what's you know, what are the concerns if it's not if it's not a hairline fracture in the shoulder? What what could it be? Those kinds of things, and she said, "Well, the one, the bit, the big concern is, is that when you have a hairline fracture like he had earlier in the year, it does theoretically make you more susceptible to doing it again or to re-injuring the shoulder, which she said could be the case here. Of course, she hasn't examined it, but it's something that you keep in mind. Now, the fact that he didn't have another fracture is a good thing, but he is in a lot of pain. And the way it was explained to me is that the forty-eight hours after." You suffer that injury. So Sunday and Monday in particular, Debo was probably in a whole lot of pain. And Kyle Shanahan kind of alluded to that on uh Monday. But nonetheless, it puts him in a spot where you have to figure out A, if he's going to be available, and then B, if he is, how limited or uh, you know, compromised is he going to be? And I think the answer is he, you know, even if he plays, he probably is going to be compromised. So what can you do with him in terms of Game plan? Can you can you put in a lot for him? Probably not. Can you put in stuff for him to be a decoy? Probably, but at the same time, like Debo Samuel only knows one speed. Like the the beauty of Debo Samuel is that he plays a thousand miles an hour all the time, and when he has, especially when he has the ball in his hands. And so, if you take that away from him, he's not he's not nearly the same guy. You don't want him to not be himself on the field. So, uh, my my suspicion is is that Debo will probably try to play. I, I would imagine. I just don't know that they're going to be in a situation where they could say, hey, we're going to have him out there. We're going to use him like we always do. And so my, my suspicion is, is that as the week goes on, as they put the game plan in, there will probably be stuff that's in there for Debo, but it won't be nearly the volume that it normally is. And then they're going to have to kind of try to work around that, whether that's Juwan Jennings or whether that's using Christian McCaffrey in the slot a little more and then getting Elijah Mitchell or Jordan Mason in there at running back. All the different you know kind of permutations of how that could play out, I think they're going to have to take a good look at in practice this week.
1: Yeah, so obviously a big part of that discussion regarding Debo Samuel is the fact that the 49ers lost three games that that he either left or missed um, in that stretch in the middle of the season. Um, And, you know, you can look at those games individually. I know in Minnesota, they didn't really have a problem moving the ball against the Vikings. There were some other things that happened in that game that led to that loss. Um, the the Cincinnati game where they they came back after that Minnesota game on a short week played uh, Cincinnati coming off a bye. There are probably some other extenuating factors, not just Debo Samuel not being there, um, but it does. You know the numbers are what they are, and the scoring is a lot different. The yardage numbers are a lot different when Debo yeah. Samuel's in and out of the lineup. So. What What's your feel on just what the 49ers might look like offense might look like from a, a pure effectiveness standpoint if if Debo Samuel is not playing and or it's a
2: compromised version of Debo who's not going to get, you know, 12 touches. Yeah, I mean the, the thing is, is with a healthy Debo, this is a Lions defense that the Niners should be able to shred. I mean, they should be able to put up a lot of points. We've seen teams do that to the Lions a lot this year, particularly their back seven. I think is is quite vulnerable. And um, you know, I, I was I watched four Lions games the other day. I watched the I watched the Bucks game. The thing they did in that Bucks game was, and you heard Derek Barnes say it after the game. The guy who made the the game winning interception is, you know, we're, we're cramming the seams, cram the seams. You know, we're, we're you know what what linebackers try to do do against Shanahan offenses. That's what you have to do. Now their linebackers, they can say that it's nice that they want to do that, but you also have to have a certain (laughs) level of athleticism to do it. And I'm not trying to knock them. I'm just saying it's not, they don't have Fred Warner and, and Dre Greenlaw or Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. But so, uh, I still think that even if the Niners don't have Debo or if they have a compromised Debo, they should be able to put up points. They're just going to have to do it in a little bit different way. And that may mean another big Juwan Jennings game. It may mean Christian McCaffrey doing a little bit more in the passing game, because I think that's an area that they can exploit. I think George Kittle will again be a huge factor in this game, a guy that they're going to want to get the ball to early and often, because I think he will be able to take advantage of some of those matchups, particularly against linebackers, if they can create those opportunities. So, All of that is like the Lions have a pretty solid run defense. They've been pretty good against the run for most of the year. Aiden Hutchinson is a big problem uh, that they're going to have to figure out a way to deal with, probably sending extra bodies his way. But otherwise, the Lions don't have a lot of guys who necessarily scare you in terms of game-changing type of defenders. So I think the Niners can score. I think if the weather is good, they should be able to score, and they will. It's just, to me, a matter of what happens on the other side of the ball. So we haven't
1: mentioned Brock Purdy yet. Um, Nick, is Brock Purdy the uh, next Tom Brady or complete trash? Go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: No. I mean, I'm. I'm, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm kidding, of course. It. It. Well, no. I. I. I just ask it in jest like that because I find. I find the conversation around the you know the sports punditry. Um, very funny in that uh, you know it's it's the extreme right. It's either Brock Purdy's great uh, and he's an MVP candidate, which he absolutely was during the regular season, or he's a guy you quote unquote can't win with. Um, look, I mean, Saturday was what it was. Like it wasn't a good Brock Purdy game for ninety five percent of it. Um, he played well enough at the end of the game to win it. Um, and you can go through and I did this today. You can go through, you know, Tom Brady's playoff numbers. He had plenty of playoff games that were bad, um, even in wins and even in Super Bowls. His numbers were bad. And he's had I think it was 22 of his 48 games. He had a lower passer rating in the playoffs than Brock Purdy had on Saturday. And obviously passer ratings, a flawed stat. We know that. Um, but just speaking broadly, one playoff game, you know, has not defined a lot of you know one playoff game shouldn't define how we view brock purdy that being said given the way it went on saturday and with obvious caveat here too being that there was rain involved um you know it, it looked more like a type of performance from brock purdy uh that you know those types of performances this season have typically led to losses and i think it's fair to think that if he plays at that same level Sunday in the NFC championship game, the 49ers will have a, a, a real chance to, to get upset. Um, I don't know. Just I, I I'm, I'm rambling on about Brock Purdy here and because I want to ask you just where you're at and, and whether or not Saturday's game changed your opinion or whether you think the, the 49ers um, I don't, I don't necessarily think the like Kyle Shanahan will change his opinion of Brock Purdy, but even you saw like, you know, there was a point in 2019 when it felt like Kyle Shanahan kind of flipped on Jimmy Garoppolo just in terms of the play calling and how much he trusted him. You know, when he threw that interception in the second quarter of the Vikings game, right, It's it was like, all right, we're just going to run the ball until they stop us and, and nobody stopped the 49ers until they got to the Super Bowl um, that year. Do you think Kyle Shanahan is close to that or do you think that Saturday was more of a blip on the radar in terms of Brock Purdy's production and, and or I guess lack thereof.
2: I don't, I don't think you did it on purpose, but you use so many like weather puns in there, like radar and <laughs> weather, <laughs> whether or not that'll do things. Uh, no, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think so at all. I don't think Kyle Shanahan is remotely phased by what Brock Purdy did the other night. And in fact, if he was going to be, it would have happened during the game, but they continued sure. and granted they were behind, but it wasn't like they were trailing by two touchdowns. Like, it, we, everyone was clamoring for them to run the ball more, right? So, like, yeah. uh, I think the opposite happened. In in some ways, it was like the ultimate show of trust from Kyle Shanahan with Brock Purdy. So, no, I don't. I don't think. He, I don't think his faith is shaken at all in terms of how he is viewing Brock at this particular time. I do think there's a couple of factors at play. One, the weather, and I. Don't, I don't know why this keeps getting you know kind of glossed over. Maybe it doesn't didn't show up well on TV it rained pretty darn hard for most of that game. And I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I do think it affected both quarterbacks, actually. I think Jordan Love had a few throws that got away from him uh, because of the rain. And so I do think there is a a cause of concern of like, hey, Brock Purdy might not be very good in the rain. So when he does have to play in it, that could be a thing because we saw some of that in Cleveland this year as well. And it didn't rain nearly as hard in Cleveland as it did uh, the other night uh, here in Santa Clara. So um, I think that has to be taken into account here. I think the other thing is, is, and Kyle kind of bristled at the question when I asked him the other night, but how much did the layoff impact Brock Purdy? You know, it, it, it was it's one thing to get the bye. It's another thing to get two weeks off and really not play a game for three weeks. And that's kind of what happened with Brock. And so, you know, if you go back through the timeline here, the Christmas night game, which he struggled a lot, everyone said, well, how is he going to bounce back from that? Well, he bounced back pretty good. He played fine in, in Washington. It wasn't his best game, but he was solid. And then he didn't play again. So like he didn't even get a ton of opportunity to wipe away that Baltimore game. And so I think just getting a chance here to, to play two weeks in a row will be beneficial for Brock. Now, I'll be the first to say I didn't think Brock played well for most of that game the other night. I also think that Brock Purdy, everyone says, or a lot of people say, and I'm, I'm one of them, Like, how is he going to do when the chips are down, When when they're down late in the game and they've got to make a comeback? We haven't really seen him have to do that very often. The the same people who say they want to see him do it and then he went out and did it are the same people now who are saying, well, he was really he was really bad in that game. I don't care about I don't care about the comeback. Well, here's the thing. What do we know about Brock Purdy and these 49ers is if if Brock is going to have to engineer a comeback, it almost certainly means that he didn't play that well for the <laughs> first three quarters. Because if he played well the right. first three quarters, we know what happens, right? Blowout. You know, dog walking, you know, woodshed, whatever, whatever cliche you want to use. That's what's that's what's happened anytime Brock has played well in the first three quarters of games this year. So you're just not going to be able to have both. You're not going to have a game where Brock Purdy plays great for three quarters and then leads the bat. I mean, maybe there's a shootout somewhere along the way. Heck, maybe it's Sunday because the Lions do put points on the board, but from what we have seen that has never been the case. And so I say all that because I don't, I don't think that the Niners, I don't think Kyle Shanahan's faith has wavered in him. And I, def- I definitely don't think his team has, I think they just want to get him a uh, dry ball and, and a little better weather and see how he does. And I think that there, this is a defense that there's opportunities for him to, to make hay against. Him. Yeah,
1: I think, I think all that's fair. Um, and again, like people ask me how I feel about Brock Purdy and uh, but it's like, He'll be judged by how he plays. Like I, we don't have to decide right now. <laughs> right? Like we don't, yeah, we and, don't, and, we don't have yeah. to decide whether Brock Purdy can win a Super Bowl or not. We're actually like in a few weeks. If they beat the Lions on Sunday, then we'll see if he can win a Super Bowl. And if he does, then we'll say, okay, he's a guy. And if he doesn't, then they'll probably run it back with him. And if he does, if they come up short again, then maybe they'll make a change. But they're not making a change for like a, at least another year. So like so- it, it's
2: Brock Purdy, and that's it. The whole disc, the whole discourse is this idea of like, oh, he's being bandied about as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And like, there's a difference between being one of the best and most talented quarterbacks in the league and then being one of the most productive quarterbacks in the league. And so, uh, you know, some people might draw a straight line between those two things and that's okay. I don't mind that. I think what's happened is, is I wrote about this in the story I wrote last week with with Brock. Purdy. I talked to a sports psychologist about it is you've got people that and it's just just like anything. It's politics. It's whatever like hot button issue there is people on the extremes want to dig in on both sides and they want to plant their flag and be the first to say Brock Purdy is not a good quarterback, or they want to plant their flag and say Brock Purdy is the best quarterback in the league. And, as is always the case, the, the like the logic lives in the middle, right? Like the, the people, but, but that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for us in this business, right? Like that's, that doesn't, that doesn't get us to, to the you know, big money contracts or whatever. If you're just saying like, oh, let's wait and see how it plays out. Or, hey, he's a pretty good quarterback. I'm, I'm going to wait a little while before I'm calling him an elite quarterback, but I know he's better than bad. So if I put him in that eight to 12 range, well, that's not really generating any clicks or headlines or anything like that. Right. So that's that's the whole thing here is is like, like I think the thing that gets lost the most Richard Sherman says this all the time and I, I agree with him is like he's held to a standard that is just completely ridiculous like they treat him like he's been in the league for 10 years and he was a first round pick and all these things and he hasn't even started two full seasons worth of games yet and oh by the way he had massive elbow surgery in the offseason <laughs> he had a, he had an elbow I wrote about this he had elbow surgery that only two other quarterbacks, professional quarterbacks on the planet have had, neither of whom is a starter. No, no, no offense to Nick Mullins or Clayton Thorson. He's the only guy that's done that and then not only came back in time to start training camp and participate, started, the, started week one of the season, played really, really well for most of the season and has his team knocking on the door of the Super Bowl again. I mean... To me, it should be it should be a really good story. It, it is a really good story. It's a compelling story, and instead we waste our time doing all this, you know. Oh, where does he rank? And don't compare him to Mahomes. And I, I'm not doing that. I just think it's a good story, and he should be given credit for the job that he's done. So, uh yeah, I I, I don't know. It's 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 just funny, and it, it, it's been something like I feel like we talk about like. The discourse about the discourse has become a thing, and I contribute to that too. <laughs> I acknowledge that, but it is it is kind of annoying when we should just be talking about like, hey, this is a good story. It's a, we're gonna make for a really compelling game on Sunday. And it would it would make an even more compelling storyline if he's able to get to the Super Bowl.
1: He's he's 24 and he just turned 24. <laughs> so like he's still extremely young. There's plenty of football left to play. If Brock Purdy throws five picks on Sunday, he'll be the 49ers starting quarterback next year and we'll see what happens from then on. But, you know, like it, I I agree with you. The fact that the fact that he's held to like such a ridiculous standard, I think speaks to just how well he's played, right? Like, oh, you can't win a Super Bowl with him. It was like, all right, well, we're only talking about him like that because he was statistically one of the most efficient quarterbacks we've ever seen. So right. that's that's a testament unto a, uh, unto itself. So anyway, I don't I don't want to I don't want to dwell on the Brock Purdy stuff, but I, I think. Oh, no, let's, I dwell. let's dwell well away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you and I both agree that there's there's plenty of nuance that often gets lost in, in these discussions. But um, I do want to talk about the 49ers defense because it does feel like there's some weird stuff going on. Um, and, you know, there are a few things like they, they haven't really stopped the run all that well. Um, more concerning to me and I get, I mean, the run defense obviously is an issue with the Lions coming in because they do have two good running backs and a really good offensive line. And if they run the ball, well, very similar to, um, you know, to the Niners offense, if they run the ball, well, that sets them up. that sets them up for the passing game and utilizing play action and all that. Um, but what do you make of the 49ers pass rush and the fact that they didn't have any sacks against Jordan love? Um, in the divisional round game and it it didn't really feel like jordan love was all that uncomfortable for the majority of the night um you know we're used to the 49ers defensive line being their calling card and being the thing that they can always fall back on even if the offense is struggling you could always say well the defensive line is going to be a bear to go against It has a lot of names and you know with Eric Armstead back you have your full complement of guys but the production hasn't been there. Um, What do you make of that and, and how concerned should the 49ers be about what they're getting from their defensive line right now?
2: Yeah I mean I think they should be a little bit concerned because like you said it is the area that they have put the most resources into like they're counting on that to be the backbone not even just of the defense but really the entire team in some ways because of what they've invested there. Now I will say that I think that there are some opportunities this week with Frank Ragnow, who I have the utmost respect for that guy might be one of the toughest guys in the league playing center for the, for the lions. And he's got, he's He's banged up though. He has a bad ankle and a bad, bad knee. He's going to try to play through. And then one of their starting guards, Jonah Jackson is probably going to miss the game. So I think this could be a big Javon Hargrave game. I think Hargrave has been pretty good for most of the year. I, I would say worth, worth the investment that they've made. Obviously Bosa is still really good. When I went back and rewatched the, the game from the other night, they were better pass rush wise than I thought they were in real time. Um, and I know Nick Bosa had five quarterback hits, but it, it seemed like, particularly in the second half, after the Packers had a couple of injuries on the offensive line, uh, that that pass rush got home a little bit and a little bit more. And you could see, even if they weren't getting the sacks, like Jordan Love, if you look at his numbers in the second half, they really dove dovetailed down. So um, I, I think that they were a little bit better than maybe they they were at first blush. The problem is right now is I know people don't want to hear this, but Cleveland Furl his injury is not an insignificant thing. Like. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that he's, you know, the best defensive end in the league or whatever, but like he's very consistent in terms of setting the edge against the run. He gives them the ability to, there's like a trickle down effect of that, right? Where he plays on rundowns and then chase young comes in on pass past rush opportunities. And the trickle down is, is now chase young has to do both. And so, if chase young is doing both of those things, it just stands to reason that playing more snaps uh, you know, he's obviously had his injury history of his own. He's just not going to be as, as efficient or as productive as he was when he was playing a very uh, specialized role for the 49ers. So um, that's not a small thing. And and they've got to figure out a way to fix that because when you watch the Packers run the ball and granted, it wasn't terrible. They know there was the one big run by Aaron Jones before that he was early in the game. He was kind of ripping them off in five, six, seven yards, but not, Huge ones and then they kind of bear down a little bit uh in the in terms of the run game. So it wasn't awful. But as you said, Chris, this is going to be a big challenge because even though they're banged up on the interior, the lions have a really good pair of tackles. Panay Sewell, when I watch the tape, I mean, one of the like it's very rare that I'll watch a tackle other than Trent Williams and say, Man, that guy's fun to watch, but that guy qualifies. Sewell Sewell is really, really good. Um, so the thing about the Lions is they're not going to stop running the ball. Like they're they're not going to be that team that if they fall behind by 10 or even 14, that Dan Campbell's going to say, well, got to open it up, Ben, let let Jared cook. Like that's, that's not going to be how they do it, you know? And so they're going to stick to the run and they're going to be, they're going to be good with it. And they have two good running backs who are kind of different flavors. And so uh, Jameer Gibbs, I mean, you talk about juice, man, that guy, (laughs) he just pops off the tape anytime you watch him. And so, I think they've got – they've really got their hands full. But, yeah, this is – it's a good point because against this offensive line and this offense in general, just from what they want to be personality-wise, this is a huge challenge for the 49ers defensive line. And the amount of money that they have invested in that group, they need them to be at their absolute best in this game because I think when we saw in 2019 when the Niners went to the Super Bowl, if you remember at the end of that year, they were banged up at the end of the regular season. They got healthy right as the season started. And they just overwhelmed everybody. They like they, they overwhelmed the Packers. They overwhelmed the Vikings. D Ford was playing. That was that was as dominant a front four as there was in the league. And I think the Niners need at least a reasonable approximation of that here this coming weekend to, to make sure that they can win this game.
1: Yeah, and I I think the the in, the lack of effectiveness from the defensive line is sort of compounded by the fact that the secondary is is kind of in a different spot than, than what it was throughout most of the season. Um, Ambry Thomas had a pretty good year and just because he had a bad game Saturday against the Packers doesn't mean, you know, that, that he's going to play a bad game on, on Sunday against Detroit, but you know, the way the cornerback position for the 49ers has gone over the last few years. And I don't know if Kyle Shanahan's necessarily contributed to this, but if somebody loses their confidence, like, Kyle Shanahan hasn't had any problem, you know, with like pulling the trigger and making a replace uh, a replacement in the secondary. And I I don't think Thomas is there, but I do wonder if that at all contributes to Ambry Thomas, maybe having a lack of confidence, which seemed to be apparent on Saturday. um, And in addition to Thomas not playing well, you have Logan Ryan playing free safety and you know that going off memory I was like oh they they signed Logan Ryan in like late October or something <laughs> right like he was like a street free agent they brought in October he's been around for a while I went back and looked they signed Logan Ryan in the first week of December right. after being on a Disney cruise ship with his family and getting the call from the team he was very much not in football mode and now all of a sudden Logan Ryan is is starting playoff games and missing tackles on running plays. And it felt at times being a target, particularly like down in the red zone when, when the the Packers got the touchdown to their tight end um, and the two point conversion, it just, it I'm, I'm very, very dubious about the 49 ers secondary in its current form. But I do think in at least one case in Logan Ryan's case, you can go back to Jair Brown. And I know Kyle Shanahan said, you know, he didn't want to do that to Jair and, and put all that pressure on him. It's like, to me, this is what you drafted him for. Like, he's, yeah. he's a young, talented dude. And, yeah, he was a third-round pick, not a first-round pick. But, like, he played meaningful snaps in the regular season. That should be your guy, not Logan Ryan, who you signed in December off a cruise ship. So, I guess I'll ask you, like, do you think that Kyle Shanahan would go back to Jair Brown at this point? Or is it, I mean, it's probably a defensive coach's call, but do you think they that a change in the lineup could be coming at safety? Or do you think Kyle Shanahan is going to stick with Logan Ryan because he is a veteran who's played in a lot of big games?
2: My read on it based on Kyle's answer the other night is that Logan Ryan will probably start this next game as well. But the one thing he said when he answered that question, I asked him, you know, why, why? Logan Ryan over Jair Brown. And he said, you know, the one thing he mentioned in there was, is we had Jair ready to go. If, if Logan struggled and my counterpoint to that would be, I would do the other way, you know, have Logan Ryan ready to go in case Jair Brown struggles. And, and I understand like you haven't seen him in a playoff game. You haven't seen him in a few weeks anyway, because of the the knee injury. And so maybe there's some trepidation, maybe there's something they see at practice that we don't see. And that's, that's fair. I, 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 I can recognize that possibility but i would rather see jair brown go out there and get those opportunities and see how he does because logan ryan if the if the objective is well he's not going to mess it up he may not be out of place like right that's the whole thing but maybe he's just not athletic enough or good enough anymore to be able to do that i mean the, the the you know the tackle effort on the long aaron jones run was not good like there were some things in coverage that were not good so to me i think i think i would rather see it the other way and the other thing is is if your argument is as well you know Jair hasn't played in the playoffs. Well, there's only one way for him to get that experience. It's to, you know, play him in the playoffs. So, yeah, I I mean, I think, I think that it'll probably be a situation where Ryan starts and then, and then Brown, uh, you know, if there's a short leash and if there's struggles then Brown goes in, I just would like to see it be the other way. And again, that's without knowing Exactly the extent of how Jair Brown is feeling, and if if he's not feeling okay, that's that's a whole you know that's fair. I I get that, but um, if he's healthy enough to be active, you would think he'd be healthy enough to play. And I certainly would like to see him see him in there, and particularly against this team where I think he's a little bit more of a physical. He's a lot more physical than Logan Ryan. He's a guy that I think can help particularly in the run game.
3: Hey, it's Kyle Madsen with Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and I'm here to talk to you about my new favorite thing about football season, and that's Prize Picks. It's Daily Fantasy Sports, the largest independently-owned Daily Fantasy Sports platform in North America. It's easy, exciting, and that's my two favorite things to have in Daily Fantasy Football. It's There's quick withdrawals. It's easy gameplay. There's so many selections of players and stat types that make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And I know you're probably worried about like daily fantasy sports. Oh, there's pros and there's sharks and there's all these people that dedicate their lives to just winning a daily fantasy. Well, no, 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 this is just you. You pick more than or less than on two to six players to create an entry. And those two to six players you pick more than or less than on their stat projections. And then you watch the winnings roll in. It is so easy, and PrizePix offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. There's like Taco Tuesday, where every Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25%. That gives you even more value. And my very favorite part of all of this, PrizePix offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So... Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. You can jump in and get Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, George Kittle. Slam the more than and root like heck for those guys to go more than those projections. It's I'm telling you. It's the very best way to consume football. So, prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yo, it's your homies, Kyle and Chris, for lamb chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. They are the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles. And follow them on Instagram at SGLambchops because they have some really cool looking stuff that your bland ass boy over here is not very good at styling on his own. And so I pop over to the Instagram. I see how other people are are dressing themselves in uh, maybe it's the, maybe it's the wolf shorts or the lion shorts, or maybe it's a pair of joggers or maybe it's the ash gray hoodie that you and I love so much. And I, I base my outfits off of that and it always makes me look dope, which is the single most important thing
1: and it's also comfortable it's also high quality yeah. it's super yeah. stylish they're conversation starters honestly we also have kids uh kid sizes on here too yes that and is everything's correct. unisex uh yeah. we, we should point out also so yeah. um no matter if you're a man or a woman these clothes will look great on you
3: or a child or a child they have children's sizes and a lot of their <laughs> stuff as well Use promo code Candlestick20 today to get 20% off your order, or you can do it tomorrow or whenever. Candlestick20 is a promo code any day of the week to get 20% off your order from sglambchops.com. Shout out to them. We really appreciate their support, and uh, we would appreciate it if you support them by going to sglambchops.com and ordering some dope, comfortable, high-quality clothing. Join the herd today. So before covering the 49ers, you covered the Rams
1: and uh i believe you're familiar with some of the power brokers in detroit now that um brad holmes is that that's their gm Mm -hmm. um what just what do you make of the job he's done and like what what do you know about about him just sort of as i don't know if you know him personally or philosophically like what like because i mean what what's happened in detroit really is is nothing short of remarkable and turning you know turning that roster around with the draft classes that they've had since they've been there getting jared goff to play at this level and and sort of you know be the guy that that they're all in on not just sort of the placeholder um just given your familiarity with 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 homes and 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 everything that's gone on in detroit just what do you make of of the, the turnaround that, that they've put together.
2: Yeah. It's been awesome. I've, I've known Brad for almost 20 years and uh, I count him as a friend. He's somebody that I, I learned a lot about football from. And uh, when I started covering the Rams, he was, he had just moved into personnel. He actually was a PR intern uh, at one point wow. in, 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 in St. Louis. And then he, you know, he became a, a scouting assistant kind of worked his way up. And so I got to see kind of firsthand watching him move up through the ranks. And actually I, I don't think he would mind me telling this story, but I remember when I was covering them. This is the year Aaron Donald came out in the draft, and uh, I would I would you know reach out to different people in the organization to just kind of get a feel for what they were going to do uh, for the draft. And so I would call I would call Brad because I always trusted his eye, and I was like, Brad, I'm thinking about these two guys as my options for the mock draft and he wouldn't like tell me I'm not gonna, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm not burning a source. He wouldn't just tell tell me who it's going to be. But he would kind of like point me in the right direction or or lead me off of guys. Although the year Todd Gurley was drafted, he definitely tried to point me in the wrong direction uh, because they were keeping that one super (laughs) secret. Uh, But, but the year Aaron Donald, and Greg Robinson, so Greg Robinson, they take number two, everybody kind of knew that. So he's like, yeah, whatever. And then I remember we were doing our mock draft and I said, I think I want to take Aaron Donald here at 13. if, Like, you don't think that's ridiculous, do you? And he laughed at me. And I said, I said, what, man? He said, he said, Aaron Donald's not lasting to 13. There's no way. He's like, Aaron Donald will be gone by seven. He's like, he's like, the bucks are taking Aaron. I'd be shocked if he makes it out of the top 10. So, of course, we do our, I I use that as like, well, that kind of tells me that if, Donald's there they probably take him because they don't think there's any chance in hell he's gonna last that long uh and then i sure. end up taking him in the mock draft and the, and the, the Rams take him. anyway that story is neither here nor there it was just kind of funny because he was he was all over the air Donald train uh back then too but but the job he's done in, in Detroit it's been fun to watch because I you just never know you know if guys are going to get opportunities and and really the, the year Brad got that job was the first year his name kind of came up on the circuit, right? Like in, in the in the interview circuit. And um, he, he ended up getting the job. And I'm not surprised because he probably interviewed really well. But uh, I, was, I was a little dubious, and I think I've told him this before, I was a little dubious about the pairing of him and Dan Campbell. Um, I didn't know Campbell personally. I just kind of knew what I saw. I did know, though, that in terms of like the type of team they were going to try to build, like big, physical, tough, guys like Brad's a big guy, big physical, tough guy. He was a, uh, my understanding, a hell of a player, uh, I think he's North Carolina A and T I believe in his day. And then, and then Dan Campbell, of course, you know, at at Texas A and M. So, um, I'm not surprised that they've built a team kind of in that fashion and uh to see what they've done they you know in a lot of ways you can compare it a little bit to the 49ers in terms of just the kind of the approach of the types of players that they're looking for uh you know and even even this year like valuing hey let's go get a running back who can do everything and let's get an off-ball linebacker who we think can can play a position that's not very good and Uh, let's invest in the defensive line and and get Aiden Hutchinson, you know, like he's like their Bosa and, um, you know, those types of things. And then getting, you know, getting receivers and and all that kind of stuff. So um, there's a lot of similarities into how these two teams play. I think it's very much shaping up to be a heavyweight fight. But um, I understand Niners fans probably this week are are very anti-Lions, but I think uh, anyone who enjoys football and appreciates, you know, what the Lions fans have been through over the years. I grew up a huge Barry Sanders guy. That was my guy when I was a kid. So, uh, to see yeah. them, to see them enjoying some successes has been pretty cool. And then, you know, of course to see Brad, Brad doing it too, uh, at least for me, uh, has been pretty cool to see.
1: Um, I want to ask you about Jared Goff and, and then we'll get out of here. Um, you know, the Niners have, the Niners basically owned Jared, Jared Goff when he was with the Rams, at least from 2018 on. And that sort of, that obviously coincides with them becoming contenders in that same timeframe. Um, but I think one of the stories with the Lions is is Goff's transformation, right? Goff going from being the guy that Sean McVay was willing to move on from to being the guy that um, beat the Rams, Sean McVay and and Matt Stafford in the playoffs. Um, And Goff's been nothing short of of excellent in in these two playoff games that they've had. Um, But the numbers do say that Goff isn't the same quarterback on the road and further he's he's not the same quarterback outdoors now you know the weather last I checked Santa Clara probably going to be fine um there might be a little bit of breeze or whatever but it's not going to be an inclement weather game um but do you do you think like I don't know do, do, do you think that the weather is or the fact that it's an outdoor game against the Niners defense is going to impact Jared Goff negatively or is is he is he the type of guy who can overcome the past and play at a really high level despite what's happened with him in the 49ers specifically while he was with the Rams.
2: Yeah. You know, what's kind of weird about the indoor outdoor thing is, is that I, I didn't watch all of their outdoor games, but I know like the Baltimore game, the weather was fine, right? Like it was outdoors and the weather was yeah. fine and they got, you know, they got dominated in that game and he was bad. And, um, so I, in, in the games I saw, it wasn't like, Oh, it was bad weather outdoors. It was like literally just, I mean, you, you could probably speak to this better than me. Just being outdoors makes a huge difference. Um, <laughs> So so I, I wonder I wonder if like you know if there's just something about like the fast track at Ford Field, right? like being on that sure. turf, something about the way they're built that, that allows them to play better in that situation. But I don't know I don't know what it is. I mean maybe he could you know maybe he could speak to it or maybe it is just one of those weird kind of NFL coincidences. but I, I do think that the good thing for the 49ers is is they've gotten their fill of like athletic mobile quarterbacks here. Over the last month and a half, and sure. he does not. Jared Goff does not qualify as that. So I think like having to do some of the like specialized rushes, like the mush rush they did in in Philly and stuff like, they're not going to have to worry about that as much. They are facing a much better offensive line than some of these other teams, but I think it's better if they can just rush like normal, knowing that hey, if this guy does step up in the pocket, chances are he's not going to take off and run for thirty or forty yards. So um, I think that changes the complexity a little bit. I think Jared Goff, you know. It's he's in a he's certainly surrounded by better talent and and a, and a really good coach and Ben Johnson who I think is probably going to get the Washington job here uh, when their season is over in Detroit I I think he's in a much better situation than he was maybe the last couple of times that the Rams played it, at Levi's uh, but we also can't sit here and say he never was in a good situation with the Rams he was still coached by Sean McVay he still had Cooper Cup he still had a lot of guys who are really good players in those times here and he just hasn't hasn't played well against against the Niners and so I think a lot of what this game comes down to to me that's 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 kind of like the story of this game is is that you've got two teams that run very similar offenses Ben Johnson is running a variation of the Shanahan scheme and they have to try to defend each other and so theoretically they should have an inherent advantage because they both run the same offenses so they see it all the time the question then becomes who has the personnel to better stop the other team's personnel. This is groundbreaking stuff. I realize, but my point, <laughs> is, my my point is though that when I look at things like how are you up the middle, how are you at at off ball linebacker, how are you at safety, those are the things that I think are big differences. Where I certainly trust Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Again, no no offense to the to the Lions off ball linebackers, Alex Anzalone and, and those guys, but. Like He's catching all sorts of strays tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're but they're not Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. I mean, that's I don't think it, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. And so that to me is is where this game, other than up front, obviously where this game could be won, is who can better defend. You know, how are your hook players? Right? Like who's better? Who's defending the middle? <laughs> who's defending the middle of the field a little bit better uh, than the other side? Because I think that's where both teams can have some success, uh, or at least they're both designed to have success. But not maybe both of them probably won't. Well, that's all I got.
1: Um, very much appreciate your time, uh, and and your work. Given how often we reference it on the show, um, so yeah, man. Um, that that's all that's all really good stuff. It's gonna be a really fun game, I think. Uh, it one thing I really like about the championship round in particular, like to me, like there's there's no better atmosphere in the NFL than a than a championship game in either conference because the yeah. Super Bowl is kind of neutered by being in a neutral site. Yeah, um so that like it's it's going to be it's going to be electric but I also think in the championship round it feels like the right four teams are are competing for the Super Bowl right Niners Lions and then Chiefs Ravens yeah. I don't know it just feels like it's the right four teams so any combination of those four feels like there's going to be a a worthy Super Bowl winner coming from it it doesn't feel like there's some like fluky team that you
2: kind of wish wasn't there no, I I agree yeah. with that, and it, yeah, 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 definitely, and and yeah, it's it feels like since they've gone to the 17 team format on each side, it's become a little bit more chalky, right? Like you, the one seeds are yeah. always pretty much doing well, and then you might get a, a stray three seed in there, but you're rarely kind of seeing you know the upset teams that you used to see as much making runs like you know the Giants and was that 2011, I think, and so uh, you're not seeing that as much, but yeah, these are these are good teams. I mean, I I would say all year it felt like. The Niners, obviously, and the and the Ravens were kind of top of the heap in their conferences. But you know, we talked about it all the time in the group chat, like we can't rule out the Chiefs. Like they're probably going to be there at the end. Any team that has Patrick Mahomes, right. it's kind of I mean, it's cliche, but it's dumb to rule them out. And then the Lions were like, you know, people. I, I think you know they had their little slump, I guess, in the middle of the season. But it really wasn't that big of a slump because they finished with the same regular season record as the Niners. And I know you know week eighteen, whatever. But still, like that was a team that was consistently good pretty much all year and you know the the one game that everyone kind of was using as the litmus test on how real they were was that Dallas game which had the funky <laughs> funky ending right and and so you know i think detroit was even mad they didn't get a chance to play dallas there uh last weekend mm-hmm. so yeah should be should be fun matchups, should be fun games i think whatever we get in the super bowl should be should also be really entertaining but uh you know i think i think one thing here for the 49ers too is we don't know how long the windows is, is going to be open. You know, this is, yeah. this, this is, I think I wonder how much that plays into the mindset, you know, and, and I know they have a lot of experience of guys who have been through this so many times, but uh, this is, this is a huge, huge moment in the Shanahan and Lynch era. Not necessarily because it's the last time we don't know if it's going to be the last time they get this close, but it is so damn hard to climb the mountain and get back to this point. You heard guys talking about it last week. Thankful just to be in the playoffs again and now they're back at the same spot they were last year and things were out, things that were out of their control happened last year that kept them from doing it so they uh hopefully we don't get anything like that this week on either side we just let these teams play and the best and the best team uh, moves on but yeah it should be it should be a lot of fun
1: yeah that's why i'm not picking against the niners cuz they know that this is probably their i, mean, I don't want to say it's their last opportunity but they're definitely in the back nine of of this particular run whereas the lions were sort of in the same spot that the niners were back in 2019 and they have they have a lot of you know a lot of learning ahead of them and a lot of experiencing ahead of them while the niners clearly have an experience advantage and and have you know the, the scar tissue from those losses that they're using as motivation for for uh for sunday and and potentially beyond um, nick thank you so much for for hanging and uh hopefully i mean i don't you know Hopefully, Kyle's enjoying himself. Um, again, hell of a time for a vacation, NFC Championship game week. But uh <laughs> See, it, everybody so much needed time off. I can't Wouldn't... say dealing with me and you know everything else he does in life,
2: and dealing with us in the group chat, he definitely could use some time off. See, see, when you're gone, me and Kyle spend the last 15 minutes of the show talking about home alone. And and then and then when when <laughs> Kyle's gone, we end up just talking football nonstop. So uh, it's yeah, I it let people decide on what they want to listen to the back part of the part of the pod here with, without Kyle.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe we can talk about like our favorite Jay-Z albums or um, <laughs> I don't know, golf courses, something like that. Uh, but no, I don't know. No, we'll, yeah, we'll get I- out of here. Go ahead, Kyle. Kyle's staying next to a really good one this week, actually. So good for him, Must yeah. Be. And, and of course, he's not going to play, or if he did, he'd, he'd bang in a nine iron from 180 yards off the skull. <laughs> um, but shout out to our guy, Kyle. Hope, hope, him and others are having a good time. Uh, Nick, enjoy Sunday. We will talk to you very soon, and uh, thanks for hopping on. Keep up the great work. See you, both